When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You know that fresh produce is the best produce. That's why at Kroger, we invest in local farmers to bring you seasonal picks that taste fresh from the farm good, like sweet corn, refreshing watermelon, and juicy peaches. So whether you're a delivery lover, a picker-upper, or you shop in-store, your local produce always tastes 100% fresh, or you get a 100% refund guaranteed. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hey everybody, it is me again, Double G, back-to-back nights, the debut week of Fight Game Podcast Extra. Just a reminder, Mike and JD will be back next week, so I only have to do one show instead of two. Uh, but on that one show, I am scheduled to talk to John Pollock from Post Wrestling. Now, you know, I understand Everybody has a crazy schedule in this wrestling business. Uh, But even if we can't do it next week, which I think we will be able to, uh, he will be on at some point uh, in in the future. But uh, I'm crossing my fingers. I think it'll happen uh, next week. We'll be able to talk to John Pollock about the wrestling business. Uh, But this show that you're listening to, uh, unlike last night, very familiar voice, Andrew Zarian, who I do We're Live Pal with, he also hosts Matt Men and Wrestling Observer Live on Sundays. This other voice is not going to be as familiar, except if you have been a longtime listener of the Fight Game podcast. When uh, even you know when John came on, and then even a little bit before uh, Draven, who I first met uh, because of F4W Online, Brian Alvarez's great co- uh, community. Uh, Draven and I went to conventions together and then we just kind of became internet friends as he would put it uh and over the years of just on and off you know facebook chat we we kind of talk about a little bit about our our uh, online friendship at the end of the show but uh, he's always been someone who uh he's had a great mind for pro wrestling not only for business but for history and he, you know, he was a big time observer reader when he when he was younger as well. So we've connected on those things, and uh, I just wanted to bring him on because I haven't talked to him in a little while. And he was formerly of the K Fabulous Lucha Brothers podcast with Big D, Danny, and he talks about that a little bit. 
it, it does sound like, unfortunately, the show may not be back, but you never know. You know, as they say in this business, never say never. So uh, next uh, coming up here is my conversation with Draven, and he was at WrestleMania. So it was in his hometown, so he talks about that. But we also go kind of deeper into pro wrestling overall and you know he's he, his background is uh, uh he he had he has some psychology in his background so we talk a little bit about kind of the online wrestling fan thing that can happen uh on twitter and such where you know people create their own personas and they have to have this act and, and that's how they use twitter rather than just kind of being themselves and uh so really interesting conversation probably talk about some things that you don't normally hear on a wrestling podcast and that is also why i like talking to draven unfortunately he is a dodgers fan but you know i haven't let that get between us so upcoming check out the conversation i had with draven and we'll play that right now all right i'm happy to bring on an old friend to talk about some pro wrestling draven what is up What's up, man? Just right here. We got just finished uh, WrestleMania week and talk about the landscape, the landscape changing from like fr- last Friday to like Monday, you know, just um, I almost feel like WrestleMania is kind of old news now, even though it wasn't even a week ago that we're all talking about how great the shows were. And well, at least night one, uh, <laughs> night two was very contra- night two was very contra- <laughs> controversial. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, again, just dropping that bit of news of the merger was, you know, completely changes everything and you know we're going into an uncertain future i think uh, for lots of different reasons um so it's interesting it's the, the the rest of the year is going to be very very interesting so i want to talk about all that that stuff with you um and we'll we'll i, I see your hat I, I know what you're doing here we'll uh we'll, we'll talk a little baseball too because you know one, one of your other favorite pastimes is the beginning of the baseball season. So we'll talk a little giants Dodgers. You guys are playing pretty well out of the gate as expected, but I wanted to show you one thing and the people, unfortunately, if you're not watching on video, won't be able to see this, but I want Draven to see the special shirt that I wore for him. Hang on here. Oh boy. Getting that here ready. Right. <laughs> For those who, who who weren't watching on video, Bob. they weren't able to see that. Bob from La Bamba, when uh, when he learns yes. that his girlfriend not my is... first or my last, <laughs> when he learns his girlfriend is pregnant, that was his reaction. So, and also, I just I also had to to celebrate the uh, the great Selena in my coffee mug as well. Uh, so. There let's talk okay. let let's let's talk about uh, the baseball stuff really quickly. So uh, again, baseball is one of your one of your favorite pastimes. It is the one sport that you follow as close or or even more closely than than wrestling. Do you as a you know, well, we're both a little bit older. Do you still get that those kid-like feelings mm-hmm. come opening day when baseball's about to start again? I do, I do, and I mean it was different this year because I had the whole WrestleMania hoopla around the city, and that and that coincided with opening day. Actually, opening was was on WrestleMania weekend this year, um, so or thereabouts. So my mind was focused because I had a lot of people from out of town, as you could imagine. I had the oh, KLB yeah. crew here, so it was your, so it was was your home. Of, um, it was your homecoming, uh, your hometown WrestleMania. 
you know, I almost, <laughs> I almost only went to one night because I'm old, right? And and these kind of <laughs> things, and 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 the thing is, like, you know, as you get older, it, it becomes more about logistics of and and practicality. <laughs> like, how am I gonna get out of this in and out of this stadium, right? And, and and these thoughts kind of overtake the excitement of youth because when you're young, you don't care. Yeah. You're like, I'll, I'll I'll hitchhike if I have to all the way to SoFi. <laughs> Yeah, but as you get older and those bones start to get a little brittle, it's like, do I really want to pay you know a hundred bucks for parking and 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 get in line with all the marks and you know um so so I was only gonna go to one night, you know I I haven't told anyone that and I'm probably gonna get some heel heat from that for, <laughs> for that news but uh originally I was just gonna go to night two, so as 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 interestingly enough. If I was only going to go to night two, I, I was planning on, on on having all these events for the fans, right? For the yeah. people that listen to my podcast. Yeah. But <laughs> what happened is that as as the time was approaching, the the little kid inside of me got more excited. Yeah. So I started buying tickets to all these, not only night one of WrestleMania, but also <laughs> uh, New Japan was in town. You can't say New Japan. I mean, and I yeah. don't regret it. Uh, also we had, um, uh, ring of honor was in town as well. So all of a sudden my schedule started stacking up with all these shows and really, we couldn't really plan out a, a night, just focus on the fans that, you know, listen to my podcast or whatnot. Right. Right. So, but you know, I did get to say hi to a lot of them. You know, I, I was with, uh, I actually drove some around just kind of giving them a tour of the city or whatnot. So we did get to do some of that, but my excitement got the better of me. And I always felt like this was going to be my big retirement anyway. So, um, and by that, I mean more like just going to all these shows, you know, because yeah, I'm yeah. done with that, man. And after this weekend, I was hurting. So I was like, you know what? That's it for me. I mean, if, if obviously, if there's a match that's promoted as like once in a lifetime kind of thing, I mean, I'll go. But as far as being, you know, the consistency that I used to have when I was younger, I mean, you're talking to a guy here that, you know, I went on loops with the WWE when they were in Southern California. Yeah. Like me and my friends, you know, and I, and I'll disclose this on here because you know me. Yeah. Uh, when I was in my, when, when I was in my younger years, WWE was in town. We bought a bunch of uh, alcohol. We booked some room <laughs> and maybe a little more hard, things harder than alcohol. We'll just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we would follow. Like I remember I once did a loop of, Diego, Las Vegas, Anaheim, Los Angeles, and I think it was like Bakersfield or something. Mm, so wow. we were doing what they were doing, and we're partying the entire time. So <laughs> well, when I they, they may have been partying the entire time too. You don't know. Well, what's interesting is that we do that, and nobody does that. You have to be a, a, a weirdo like myself to do shit like that, and the and the group of friends that I have. Um, when you do that by osmosis. You're going to meet some of these guys just yeah. because you're following them around. So we got to, you know, um, we got to meet a few guys. Um, I remember Jeff Hardy was at a 7-Eleven once <laughs> and, and a Mark went up to a, a fan, I should say, because because Vince McMahon doesn't like the term Mark. No, um, big, big Dave so, M either. There you go. You're right. Um, and so a fan came up to Jeff Hardy and he's like, are you Jeff Hardy? And Jeff Hardy's like, I don't know. Am I? And then he just runs out into his <laughs> rental and just pours it out of there. Like that was the funniest thing I've ever seen because this this little fan was like, you know, he was just asking a question. And the thing is that Jeff Hardy was in full gimmick minus the face paint. 
Like yeah. they had those pantsy wears and those shirts and those and those sleeves. So I'm thinking, dude, come on, you know. He kind of want he wanted to be noticed. Exactly, you know. Over over the years, um, when when I did all like when I used to go to PWG a lot when I was a regular there, we 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 had this saying like, the biggest marks for the wrestlers are the wrestlers <laughs> because they're the ones that wear their own shirts, right? You'll see a wrestler wearing his own shirt. <laughs> which has been always awkward to me and they and they're really the ones that get invested into the business from from you know quote unquote being taken advantage of as a mark right which was the, the thing that came from back in the day so yeah so i mean i was very tired and um it was fun but this is it for me you know other than the big show here and there I'm done. What about what about this. when you get to do the seat filler gimmick? Are you still going to take advantage of that? No, I'm not going to do that anymore. No, I'm not going to do that anymore. That's it. I, I had a chance with the uh, with the SmackDown that was at the Hall of Fame show, and I didn't want to. So, anyway, it, 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 um, it is really the end of an era then for you. Yeah, yeah, and um, I'm not going to any independent shows. I mean, again, why hit the occasional one? Sure, you know, yeah, but yeah. The consistency is over, um, yeah, and, and so that's where I'm at. But it was it was a very fun weekend. I had a good time, you know. I, I have my own Jeff Hardy story that I probably I probably told you probably like immediately when it happened. But uh, just for the people who are listening, uh, we were it was WrestleMania New York, so it's 35, uh, and we were. I think we were at the bar of the hotel where the wrestlers were staying that weekend. And, you know, I, I'm friends with John LaRocca. He's friends with people in WWE and, you know, he's friends with wrestlers and stuff. So we were kind of like, they were like, Hey, just come hang out with us. So we're, you know, we weren't really with any of the WWE people. They were in their own crew. We were kind of off to the side and we were near where the bathroom was. And so, uh, Jeff Hardy, he comes over to where we are and we're like, oh, that's cool. That's Jeff Hardy. And so he asks uh, Dave Dutra, who's an independent NorCal uh, wrestler, you know, where's the bathroom? And so Dutra is like points it. It's like right behind us. It's like, yeah, it's right there. So about I would say about an hour later, Jeff Hardy comes over again and we're like, oh, maybe he wants to come hang. And he goes up to uh, Dave Dutra again and goes, hey, man, where's the bathroom? <laughs> <It's> like. <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, we just told you where the bathroom was. So, uh, uh, you know, and and I don't, I don't think Jeff was doing anything too crazy, but uh, you know, he had oh. he's had his issues, so I don't want to make fun of him. But it was just mm-hmm. kind of funny. We were, you know, we were in a safe place, so no, no one was getting hurt. But I just wanted to. Uh, you're already well, getting, you're already getting some some uh, some comments in here. Look, look at I who the that. dames, the dames came out, came out and said that a you're the draw of, tonight. The Latino world order is in full force because there's a bunch of Latinos here. <laughs> um, I that's why that's why I wore my shirt. I got my coffee mug, uh, <laughs> and look, and and oh man, another uh, another one for you. Carlos is here, and uh, also Mario yeah. checking out. Mario, yeah. calling calling shots. No, you're you're a very popular person. That's why I wanted you. By the way. You mentioned your podcast. Are what's up with the podcast? K Fabulous I mean, Lucha a, Brothers. Yeah, it's it's pretty much. I think it's it's not coming back. I think we had our run, right? I mean, I mean, nothing. It, it's just one of those things where you're ready to take on the next challenge, and you know, um, on to better and bigger things. You know, and any other political answer that you want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> that that's what's going on here. I mean, you know, 
you know, good luck and and big these future endeavors. You know? <laughs> I'm always rooting for the guy, of course. Of course, uh, but, but yeah, no, big... it was just. I mean, there's a couple of things. It was that. I mean, primarily the run is over. I mean, we, we were on for almost ten years. We started yeah. in 2014. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but also, I think in general, like around September, October, there was a lot of cynicism online, and it wasn't just with Big D. It was just all over the place, and it was just, you know, it was a situation where I started analyzing it, you know, with Tony Khan or whatnot, and I started really matching up a lot of the criticisms that he was getting. Yeah, and so and some of them were, were like below the belt, you know, and I was like, there's a lot of projection going on here, you know, and and the thing is, you know, somebody like TK. I mean, for better or worse, you know, he's got that look, right, that would invite projection. Just let's be real about it. And it's very unfortunate because somebody like somebody with a with a more imposing presence wouldn't have that kind of feedback. You know, they wouldn't, pick, they wouldn't pick on him so much. Yes. And, and, and so I started really with the people that I knew enough to make this, these assumptions. I started really noticing, OK, is this projection? Because. The people that are criticizing Tony Khan, they don't have a lot going on, you know, and 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 and, and I would notice that and just, you know, and, and and I came to the conclusion that I was very mean mean spirited, you know, and and I know that um, I know that a lot of, I, I mean, I I'll say it right here, I know that Big D got upset at me because he was like, you know, you were in the mud in there with all of us, you know, yeah, 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 and, and that's fine, but there comes a point, I mean, I don't know what what's so wrong about just kind of changing your mind or maybe changing perspectives right and getting right. out of that mud you know what i'm saying right. so so i think i was just tired of that because every time that i would log on it was the same thing and it's like to me if you're gonna clown on somebody at least make it funny you know I'm, i was mm -hmm. tired of seeing the same jokes it was the same thing over and over and so um so i decided you know what i'm done with this because th there was no like there was no actual conversation about wrestling that didn't delve into like let's pick sides and then let's just make fun of one side like that was always where it would inherently go and i was like i just got tired of it you know so so this so, is actually this is actually a great way to do even though we we kind of skipped the baseball stuff but this is a great way to dovetail into something that i'm actually really interested in your thoughts about which is the uh the dynamic of being online and always being online and that becoming sort of who you are and not being able to uh, now I don't, maybe they can tell the difference. Maybe it's an act, all that stuff, but like, just like there are lots of people and, you know, we started, uh, we, we started on, on the F4W online message board, you know, kind of to, where, where we're throwing. And even before that, I'm sure you were on like mm -hmm. message boards and, and stuff before that, but that like, those people who are on the board now they're on Twitter, you know, they're on in discords and such. And I see that, you know, there's, there's like this persona that they have to play. Like this is how they have to be online. Uh, really snarky, uh, really deliberate of, of, of trying to dunk on people, trying to make people look bad, a lot of bad faith kind of stuff. And I'm sure it's prevalent in all kinds of genres. I'm sure the Star sure. Wars, you know, ones are, are really bad. And, and you know, I, I see mostly the the sports ones, like you know, the the, the basketball the, or the Warriors. But to me, the ones that are like these created personas seem to be a little bit more in pro wrestling. And I wonder if that is because 
pro wrestlers are a gimmick and are not their their real selves so the fans like oh i want to create this character because i love pro wrestling because it's it's kind of frustrating dealing dealing with those folks online you just kind of just end up blocking them and but they, they're they're prevalent out there right like is there any correlation between you know pro wrestling and the way that these people act well i think um we want to believe that they have some self-awareness, right? We want to believe that this is all an act because anything other than that is kind of sad when you think yeah, about it. Right. Um, and, 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 you know, when I go to these shows and I see a lot of these fans, I, I see how much the lifestyle revolves around them. And that's one of the things that, you know, for better or worse, I've always been very fortunate in that, you know, we're for as much, I mean, I'm a big wrestling nerd, right? I'm in there with all of them. I'm not I'm not taking myself apart from these people or saying you that love the history of the business. Yes, and, and also I love to watch it. I'm a lifer. I mean, I'm here till the end. Uh, but with that said, there, there's other parts of who I am, right? There's other parts of my personality, there's other parts of my social interactions. Uh, and so I think it's important to be able to understand where it starts and where it ends. And for a lot of these people, this is it. You know, and they and, and I think they so fanatical about it that they kind of almost lose the the perspective of reality sometimes because you go mm -hmm. on Twitter and some of these people are so passionate and they talk as if their opinion has some sort of influence, which is scary, you yeah. know. Um, and so I think that's something th th that this fan base definitely uh, we see a lot of. Um, but again, I think at the end of the day we also have to understand and th and this is another hard pill to swallow is what kind of demographics are being representative by the niche fan bases right because you i mean i i belong to groups that are that are talking about mental health i belong yeah. to groups that are talking about you know research and you don't see people going in there and playing characters you know what yeah. i'm saying and, yeah. and and so totally again with a lot of these niche groups uh you see it a lot because unfortunately, you know, that that's a, you know, the demographic it's representative of a, the lowest common denominator. And that's a fact. Um, and the reason why it seems so prevalent is because a lot of them bleed into each other. Right. So you have like the star Wars fans who are also wrestling fans. So you, <laughs> you, it, it gives the illusion of this being the, 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 nor the norm, right? Like, why are these people like that? But when you, when you get out of that bubble, you start to see that it isn't really like that. It just seems, it's just these little pockets of different uh, of fandoms that are like that. But it is frustrating because again, when you want to talk um, at anything that's uh, below the surface, you just can't, you know? And then you go into this whole fantasy booking thing, right? Which is also frustrating <laughs> because these people are fantasy booking like if they're in the sandbox with their little G.I. Joes out, right? They don't think about the logistics of what it is to actually come up with a WrestleMania card and actually think about the business end of it mm -hmm. and the future of that. Their whole thing is my emotional favorite is going to headline WrestleMania regardless. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And then they're going to face my emotional uh, most, you know, this favorite person. So it's frustrating because it's hard to have real conversations on the Internet for sure. So and so that's the, why I left. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. 
NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You said something that I think is really smart and is also a part of at least the reason that WWE says that this is a smart deal for them. This merger uh, acquired by Endeavor merging with the UFC. And I saw a quote from Ari Emanuel where he was talking about how WWE does great ratings, but they still get lower ad rates based you know comparable to to the to the kind of ratings that they usually get and it, i think it goes right back to what you're saying is is there is uh a thought that the audience who watches wrestling is a little bit more lowbrow and is a little bit more about the low common denominator but you yourself just said two things you said one you're a lifer and two you're in these other groups with really smart people and professional people. So I would imagine there are more people like you. And do you think Ari Emanuel can help WWE change that stereotype or change that perspective of what a pro wrestling fan is? Um, It's going to be hard because I think you got to understand that before 84, we did see doctors at ringside, right? That were not there for the, for, you know, working, we did, we did see lawyers. We did see th- these upper-class professions represented at ringside, right? Especially in St. Louis, which was a big deal. Yeah. Um, I think Vince McMahon, it's interesting because Vince McMahon has, in his mind, has always wanted to raise the scale of what professional wrestling is. But I'm, unfortunately, I think Vince McMahon's personality, including his sense of humor, has always been a detriment to that because Vince McMahon has a very low-brow sense of humor. And so I think he's always he's contributed to to enabling uh, the wrestling business to be seen as his lowbrow entertainment. He hasn't helped it at all. And, and I'm not just talking about the toilet humor that in itself doesn't help. And that's very embarrassing. But also the, the lack of consistency with storytelling. Right. I mean, I think when people are, are operating at a different level, they want to be invested in more thought out, you know, abstract storytelling and. We, we don't get that in WWE. We get a lot of, like, you know, start and stop stuff. One of the things that was, I don't know, I think it was a little bit insulting to me. Like, like when Sami Zayn uh, was, went on, on, the, um, uh, on the press call, on the press or whatever they call mm-hmm. them now, those mm-hmm. kayfabe fucking press conferences. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and he, was like, uh, he was like, well, now we're telling real stories. And, yeah. and I'm like, I'm like if, you're, if you watch real stories, if you read books that are very in-depth or even films... Buddy, you're just scratching the surface. Yeah. At minimum, at minimum, that storyline, really what it is is that it's just a long storyline. You know what I'm you're saying? You're talking about the bloodline. Yeah, the bloodline storyline. But it seems like it's 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 this, you know, highbrow kind of storyline because of, of the length of time, but also some of the twists and turns. But, but at the end of the day, I mean, there's more they could do with that, you know? 
at a deeper level. And, and you know, to their credit, that's great. That's a great start. You know, but Sammy Saints over here calling himself the Sopranos all of a sudden. And I'm like, <laughs> you're not there yet, man. Just relax with that. Okay, you that's know? a great point. And I want to scratch that a little bit more. in Because you're also a film buff. Mm-hmm. You love movies. You, you're a historian and and and, and someone who, who who really looks at them in 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 depth ways. Right. And you know, also you you watch TV. You watch really good shows. Why can pro wrestling not be like a prestige TV show or like a really thoughtful movie? Is it because? And now we're going back to this idea of what they think about their own fan base. Is it be, they're, they're speaking to a, a lowest common denominator or is the process of producing wrestling television, the way that you have to do it, you, you, you just can't tell the story in that way because you're, you're, you know, you're limited to two hours or whatever. Like is what is, what, why is it that you think that that is? I think, well, First of all, let's start with giving them the benefit of the doubt. They do deal with a lot of injuries, right? And that creates reservations in investing in a long-term storyline. But there again, you create this self-fulfilling prophecy because if you're paranoid about injuries and never commit to a long-term storyline because of that, then you're never going to actually have a long-term storyline with with death and character development. So, so, So that's what they like to say, right? Oh, we have injuries and they always get in the way. Okay, fine. Let's put that aside. At the end of the day, I really believe that they don't respect their audience. I believe that they and and I'll give a little examples with WrestleMania. Um, I believe that this line about no, notice how everything is spoon fed to us, including the, the the what is that opening line? The now forever together, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's a very condescending line. I think you know it's like you don't have to tell us that you know what where, where you, is the subliminal message is we're all in this together and we got to stay loyal. That's what they're trying to tell us. But the way they treat their audience is very much like the audience doesn't have the comprehension to keep up with long-term, you know, abstract storylines. And so they just give us these basic run-of-the-mill uh, storylines. And, and so what happens is that that's the audience you're going to attract, right? That that's And that's why you create the chicken and the egg thing where it's like, is the audience lowbrow? Which came first, the audience being lowbrow mm-hmm. or the product being lowbrow? Well, it yeah. kind of, you know, they both have a systemic effect on each other. And into that changes, it's it's we're never gonna see the the the, the six-figure dollar people sitting at ringside. Um, like we remember in UFC back in the day when it was like we used to see those guys in suits with the hot girls and everything. That's because UFC was, you know, they were giving us those kind of storylines that were organically created. And, and, you know, I don't think they're doing that anymore either. I haven't watched in the Fertitta Soul, so I, I don't know. Uh, well, okay, but but now, now that uh, they're combined with WWE in one company, I was wondering if that was going to bring you back. No, 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 I don't. I don't. <laughs> I, 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 I don't really care about mixed martial arts anymore because I think I, I gravitate more towards characters yeah. um, and, and larger than life superstars. And, and I mean, from what I understand, you know, we haven't had one of those in mixed martial arts in a long time, you know? So, um, I don't know. I, I just, Con- think I mean, that- Connor, Connor McGregor, but he's kind of, as far as being a fighter, he, you know, he's on his way down for sure. Cause, uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a little hard to have a long career in, in MMA when you're getting hit for real. 
Yeah. Yeah. But I also don't really kind of embrace what we call the halo effect in psychology. I don't embrace this idea just because you're a star that you need to be respected. You know, this this blind loyalty that people seem to have. Uh, Conor McGregor is a big turnoff for me because I know that he's not he's not the greatest human being outside of the octagon. You know, he's he's kind of an asshole, actually. Yeah. Um, and, and so to me, that 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 plays a role. Like I can't I can't respect somebody who's gotten away with the things that he's done, you know. And so I, I need to have somebody, again, somebody that comes in and really just, whether it's promo skills or fighting ability, somebody that, and it's also going to be somebody that I'm going to hear about, you know, because I don't look into UFC news anymore either. And that's when I'd be like, okay, let me check this guy out. And yeah. sure enough, if it works, you know. But yeah, so so I think that's what's going on with the WWE's inability to create a, uh, a more uh, highbrow entertainment. And, you know, you kind of made a, a really good point there about McGregor and maybe the turnoff of McGregor. But what do you think about this super company being run by Vince McMahon, who we've learned paid off lots of women and paid off, you know, situations in which he was he was probably, you know, more than likely being a sexual abuser. And then Dana White, who... Uh, just last wife. year, slapped his wife, got caught on phone. Like, that's who's running both of these companies. Now, not actually run. you know, Ari Emanuel is, is at the top. But, you know, Vince is, is right underneath Ari. And Dana is right underneath Mark Shapiro on the other side. So heavily influence, uh, heavy influence for both. And, man, like, that, like that's a company you want to support? That's, that's, the, that's the one that's going to be hard, I think. Well, it's it's hard. I mean, from an ethical perspective, right? As far as you know, being the kind of human being that you want to be and 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 the values that you have, it makes it difficult, right? But I think as a fan, and this is, I think, li- living in a developed country, uh, is something that we have to come to terms with, right? And we have to accept. Um, yeah, we are. I'm, I'm still going to be watching. Do I like it? No. And does it difficult for me? Yes. Uh, you know, again, it's it's a conflict of ethics for me. Um, so on, on that end, it's difficult. It's a difficult yeah. decision, but I try to separate the, you know, the artist from the person, right. And, and, and ultimately Dana White and Vince McMahon are two of the greatest promoters ever. And if we're studying that aspect of the business, they're the best, yeah. you know? So again, it is, it is a thin line of how far do we take it with how horrible these two human beings can be at times. Yep. Now, with that said, that's one side. On the other side, and the one that I really think is going to be more um, something that we're going to be able to observe it better is how they're going to get along. So I think these two guys being snakes, eventually mm-hmm. they're going to want to bite each other's heads off. Mm-hmm. And I was, re- I was reading Dave's write-up earlier on this entire situation, right, he, the, with the Observer yeah. that came out today. Yep. And I almost see, like, like uh, Ari Emanuel kind of like Trojan horsing his way into WWE, the infrastructure of WWE, because you've seen it before in other businesses with the mergers, right? Yeah. We're all buddies. We're all going to be best friends. And I, I saw like, I really see WWE getting duped here. Like, like, and I understand how they sold it. Right. I mean, Vince could have cashed out now with a potential buyer, but Ari Emanuel was like, well, you know, you could, it, it, it's going to be a longer term investment, but it's also more stability, right? It creates that generational wealth, you know, 10 times over. Um, and so I think Vince was sold in that way. Not that it's going to flop because we don't know, but I definitely see some, because you got, you got a lot of people that have big eagles, right? And, and, and especially Vince, 
you know, one of the things people will compare Dana and they'll say, well, Dana could work with with Ari Emanuel, but Dana, he came from a structure where he was always uh, working with the Fertitas. Yeah. So he knows that 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 teamwork dynamic, whereas Vince doesn't. Vince is a very prideful person, right? To the point where he couldn't he couldn't even stay away for six months, you know, (laughs) seeing his baby being run the way it was um, successfully, by the way. Yes, yes. And it makes you wonder if, if, you know, this guy would bite his nose off in spite of his face, right? It makes you wonder how egotistical he is to, to where he'll blow his own ship off if he doesn't get his way. I could see that with him. Yeah. So that's concerning. So we'll see how that plays out. I I don't know. I, I don't know if 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 you know Vince could play nice with people once they start pushing him and contradicting him. And I think that's going to happen organically because just with the, with all the people that are involved. Oh, I, I was talking to Dave today. We recorded uh, Wrestling Observer Radio, and the one thing that I didn't think about is you know obviously WWE's now it's real it's hot. They're riding a hot streak. Stocks all the way up to a hundred bucks. And so in if it stays like this, obviously, like this is a great time. But as we know, the ups and downs of, of wrestling business, we've seen that stock go down. We've seen it go up. And the way Dave explained it is that Vince now has a piece of the UFC. And the way the UFC business works is they're not they don't have as many of those ups and downs because all of their TV money is, you know, consistent and it doesn't really matter how many pay-per-views they sell their current TV deal. They just get mm-hmm. a large chunk of money. Their gates are great. Uh, you know, they, they themselves do not overstay their welcome for these big shows. You know, they just have the 12, the 12 big shows. They don't got to run five hours of television two days a week. You know, they run their weekend shows and, People watch if they want, and if not, you know, mm-hmm. it's not this, this, there, it's not based on draw. And so, if WWE's business starts to fail a little bit and they get cold, if they were by themselves, that stock takes a hit. Mm-hmm. But now, UFC, you know, can help keep them afloat and where Vince doesn't lose so much money based off of the, the stock. So, I thought that was a very interesting thing that he said. Uh, and you know, which also, I, I don't know, you know, I, I guess I figure when you're in your late seventies, you're not still so conservative and playing the long game, but this dude is still playing the long game, which is kind I, of amazing. I, but I think it's still very much power based. I think oh, yeah. it's still oh, very yeah. much, you know, cause when you're that, when you're that old and when you have that kind of money, regardless, it's, it, it does become more about holding on to the power that you've had for 40, 45 years. Yeah. And I think what Vince did was that he latched his, his wagon on UFC, which is, which is going to provide more stability, but he's also risking giving away a little bit of that power, you know what I'm saying? So, so it's going to be interesting how it plays out. And I think that's how Endeavor sold it to him. It's like, yeah, you latch on to us. Look, look, we, we go from, what was it from being a, a 5 billion to 12 billion combined. Right. Well, I think it was 12 billion. Um, so, so it's, it's that, that was the, their way in. So again, how is it gonna, how is it going to look in the future? That's where it's going to get interesting because, you know, um, Endeavor said um, Ari Emanuel specifically is like we're going to do the UFC playbook. We're going to run the UFC playbook with WWE. I don't know, man. I don't know if you run any other playbook other than Vince's playbook when it comes to WWE. 
you know? And again, Dana White has always been very open because he was used to that structure. Vince has never been used to that structure. Here's a stat that I thought was really amazing, and it kind of blew my mind a little bit. So sponsorship revenue from WrestleMania was $20 million. Mm -hmm. And Meltzer wrote that by next year's WrestleMania, the sponsorship money that they bring in could outdo the gate money, which is just mind-blowing to me. So not only do you not, you know, all of your money is guaranteed, and now when it comes to your biggest show of the year, yeah, if we if we don't sell as many tickets as we usually do, guess what? The sponsorship revenue is going to more than make up for it. The, the way that they've built this business and they've put this thing together is, uh, is amazing. They've created uh, a cash cow, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's just... Unless somehow these television rights and these streaming rights, you know, take a hit, man, it just feels like they're so set and they keep improving on things and they keep, you know, some some of these other pieces of the business plan, they're growing it. And it's just it's it's amazing to me because this is not the WWE that even we watched in 1998 when it was the hottest thing that was going and it still was still hotter than how it is today, but the, just the business aspect of, of today's wrestling is like a hundred times better than it was in 98. Right. Right. And, but of course 98, and I think, I think this is a good lesson uh, not only in business, but in life. I mean, 98 was definitely a building block to where we're at now. Right. I think they, they've been very smart and taking advantages of, you know, technology and, and just um, uh, that they've had some good business acumen and really made the right moves. Um, one thing I will say, though, is that the sponsorship thing, uh, it, it was weird because they it's really trial and error because they they really got a lot of heel heat live in the building because this WrestleMania, they they pushed a lot of sponsorships. Yeah. And I know, you know, I watch baseball. You know, I really got into football because my brother loves the Eagles. Um, and I noticed that they deal with the way they deal with their sponsors is not as like intrusive as wwe does with their sponsors like you know you don't see like uh the football shape like like the stridex <laughs> pads you know what i'm saying <laughs> and, and so uh you know um that's gonna be a problem because so many people were so unhappy um with the way the sponsorships affect the artistic part of mm. wrestling you know you can't have a a, a blood feud and half like what was uh was it Captain Crunch the cereal with Dominic and uh <laughs> that was so cartoony man and see again how much do you respect your audience where you don't even take that into consideration mm-hmm. you know you're like you know what just throw it there because who cares the, pit, the pitch it. the pitch black match from Royal Rumble yeah exactly and and I, to their credit I think they learned from that it was that we didn't get anything that extreme this time well because we also didn't have a Bray Wyatt which they usually throw these gimmicks on yeah that is true. Um, but that was interesting to me because I was observing the entire night and people hated these, the, all these sponsors, the, the Pope's exorcist, which it it was combined with the hound the cell match. That was a weird one. Yes. That got so much heel heat. And to me, I know there was executives there, right. From all these sponsors. So, so, you know, they're, they're observing and they're listening. And so they're seeing all this booing for their product and it's not really booing for their product. It's booing for the placement of their product. So I think in a sense, yes, $20 million sounds great, 
But then, and the other side of that is how much are you going to respect your audience and kind of place these product placements in different parts of your, of your show? Because you, you know, I just found it so disrespectful, you know, and not only to, to, to the audience, but also to the wrestlers. Cause you know, we said earlier, we started this show by saying they're the biggest marks for themselves. So I don't think they appreciate having their match be a backdrop to a commercial, you know? Um, but there again, let's talk a little, let's keep this talk about business. How about that part of, of the big merger? The fact that, you know, these fighters on both ends, right? These UFC fighters and these wrestlers are still very highly underpaid. Oh yeah. You know, uh, you compare, you compare the, the Dodgers payroll to like, you know, compared to what the Dodgers make compared to what UFC and WWE make, I mean, WWE and UFC make a lot more per year and, and their, and their payroll is a lot less. You know, and so that's a big, big advantage for all, for all these deal makers. The uh, you know the division of labor is completely one sided. You know, it's like the, these guys are are getting peanuts. You know, I think Dave was the one that broke it down, and he was saying that every WWE wrestler should be able to make at least seven figures a year, and WWE will still be extremely profitable. Oh yeah, and that's not happening. That's not even close to happening. You know, and I think that's 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 very unfair because. Again, the business is built on the backs of all these guys and girls that go out there every week and and you know bust their ass, um, and it just seems like you know it's it's a very tyrannical place to work at, you know, and, it's, and that hasn't changed, you know, Absolutely. including taking away a lot of their uh, you know extra revenue options as well, which is even more horrendous in my opinion. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's part of this weird thing. And, and I've always wondered what you thought about that. Well, not necessarily what you thought, but I've always wondered what the sort of the public thinks about this. It, because a lot of the stories, when you hear about the wrestlers, uh, Vince was my father figure. And like, I would never tell, like, I I have a dad and he's my father figure, right? But some people may not have that father figure and they're sort of searching for that. Vince McMahon isn't like maybe in the top 99% of a father figure that I would think that that, that <laughs> someone would, you know, someone yeah. would, you know, ask Shane. I don't know. Is, is Shane his own pops as a father figure? I don't know. But, He's got other things to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> but does wrestling attract maybe people who are not, stable uh, i i guess and you know uh we look at someone like mjf and i'm honestly just uh, wondering what attracted mjf to professional wrestling because looks like that dude could have been successful at, at a bunch of different things right mm-hmm. but you know you, you see time and time again these wrestlers come in and and a lot of it is like well you know this happened and this happened and I didn't have whatever it was like. That's like literally the rock story, right? He had seven bucks in his pocket and, you know, he (laughs) even had a pops who wrestled, but he was still searching for whatever it is. Do you think wrestling more than other places attract folks who are sort of in search of something like that? I do think there's an insecurity factor to it for sure. And I think there's a lot of different um, variables here. You know, you're, the, the infrastructure that WWE created. And I think when we talk about Vince's genius, you know, quote unquote, we don't give enough credit to how he kind of redefined what it is to be a WWE superstar. And I would say this started about a little bit after the he bought WCW. He started to creating this, he created this narrative that 
being a WWE superstar is 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 a privilege and it's a, it's something that you should be grateful for, right? And that's the narrative that you that that you're hitting the head over and over with. What do you think I, Bruiser Brody would have thought about that pitch? He would have told him to fuck off. You know, <laughs> I mean, there's no two ways about it. You know, and 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 even even guys like, because Ric Flair when he went in there, he was already a broken man. Yeah. So Ric Flair was it's a great kind of example. Uh, uh, yeah. Perfect example. Yeah, and so he was broken. He said this many, many times. I think he's still broken, honestly. But that's for, that's a story for another time. Uh, and and so and so, what what happened? Vince takes advantage of that, right? Because let's not also forget that Vince is a con man. We forget yep. that sometimes. And he uh, uses, I, I I'm with you. <laughs> he uses the tools that any con man would use to to kind of manipulate, break down somebody, and then build them back up. That's that's classic con man. Um, you know what they do. And I think with Rick, you know, he saw Rick had been, you know, he had been through how and back with Bischoff, right? From 98 to 2001, he comes into the company in late 2001, and he's a shelf his former self. He doesn't have the confidence. Well, there's Daddy Vince. To and pick him and up. the bank account is a part of it, right? Because Vince can go, oh, you need help. I'll help you. And all of a sudden now Rick is like in debt to this guy. Right. And, 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 you know, I'll never forget, um, I think it was Don King. Remember how Don King, he used to go to the boxers that were in poverty, and he used to roll up with, a, like, a, like, a Lamborghini or something, right? And he used to give it to them, and he's like, all right, here, this is your new car, but first sign this paper. And then he would sign off, like, they would sign off, like, power of attorney to him, but they had their Lamborghini. But to them, it was such a privilege because they were poor, right? Yeah. And I think Vince thrives on that because in regular sports, you have baseball, basketball, football players who are recruited. They're very cuddled very early on, right? They know their worth because there's a culture that reminds them of their worth constantly. Wrestlers don't have that. Wrestlers are fighting in the independence, making $20 and a hot dog every night. And so Vince comes around, you know, he cuts you a six-figure check, which, you know, in relative terms is not a lot of money. But when you're when when this is your passion, it just magnifies. And on top of that, you know, there, there's this weird thing in psychology when 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 two people's passions kind of collide, there's this this sense of like connection, right? Mm-hmm. So I can only imagine like at WrestleManias where where it's at a fever pitch, and these guys go through the curtain, and you know, he gives everybody that hug that they always show on the network and stuff. That's magic right there. Except Kevin and, Owens. Kevin Owens didn't yes. get that hug. But but there again, that's the same conversation because look at how bad he took it. Yeah. You know, that that's manipulation right yeah. there. You know? Taking a taking away that validation from a father figure, it fucked with Kevin Owens. And it shouldn't have. He's just it, another guy. You made you made a great point. And this is something Sammy Guevara just <laughs> said. <laughs> on their all access show. I don't know if was... you're working with me when you said Guevara or Guevara, because really it's Guevara. But... Guevara. And <laughs> and he said he said uh whenever he gets unhappy about where he's at, he just thinks back to 10 years ago when he was working for a fast food restaurant, right? And that's exactly yes. what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So he is he is indebted to, to the business because of what it gave him. It gave him his wife, it gave him a career. And mm-hmm. so he's going to, you know, he doesn't want to give that up. And, you know, that's why Brock Lesnar uh, will always have more leverage than everybody because he's willing to give up something because he sees everything as just sort of a job and it just sort of an ends to a mean, you know, means to an end. 
Yes. Um, this this is this is uh, fantastic stuff, and you and I can talk about this stuff forever. But I do want to bring it back a little bit to the live WrestleMania because I wanted to get your thoughts. You met. You already said night one was great. Uh, I think a lot of people are calling that you know may, maybe the greatest WrestleMania of all time. WrestleMania seventeen is still up there, but night two, uh, I found night two to still be a pretty good show. But I was actually surprised that there wasn't more people upset at the Cody Rhodes finish at the end there when Cody did not beat Roman Reigns and Roman Reigns won again. I expected maybe a little bit more of an uproar, but what it told me is that I think the audience just has a little bit more faith in, in the product right now. Uh, They have, they give them a little bit more of a benefit of the doubt because the bloodline storyline has been so solid. What did you sense when you were live there in the building and uh, Roman beat Cody in the, in the main event. Well, you're right. I, I didn't, I didn't sense disappointment as much as I sense shock, right? Mm-hmm. It was, it was not as, not as bad, but it was very reminiscent of the undertaker streak ending at WrestleMania 30. There was complete silence because I think everybody was jazzed about that big celebration that we thought we were going to get at the end of the night. And when we saw that three count, it was just silence. And then people just kind of started heading towards the exits, like without saying anything. But it wasn't disappointment. It was just shock. Mm-hmm. Um, and I uh, I agree with everything you said. But I think another point is how over Roman Reigns is as well yeah. as a babyface. Because I think had it been anyone else that wasn't as over as him, I think um, there would have been more of an uproar, like you said. Um, so I think I think there was this idea like. Because one of the things, one of the mumblings that I heard as I was walking out of the stadium was, oh, they're going for a thousand days. They're going, that was the yeah. constant theme. And so I think once the fans kind of came to terms with that, they were accepting of it on the spot, which is weird because I usually takes like a week to really. So it was like a state of shock. I think today was, is actually 950. Right, right. There's 50 more days. And you know, when, when we get to the 50 day, the F4W convention. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because um, that's that Saudi show, I think, is like a thousand days or something. That that Saudi show Memorial Day weekend. All right, you know, this year as a side note, not that anybody listening cares, but I, you know, I'm gonna skip it this year because I'm gonna go to Dallas for a horror convention. So there's there the nerd go. in me. There you go. So, so I, it was a very hard decision. I'll You're a man you of many passions. You don't, you know, you, you have uh, you have lots of interests. So, but it wasn't easy making that decision. Much like I'm sure that Paul couldn't decide whether to go with Cody or Roman, <laughs> I had to decide Dallas or Vegas, and I went with Dallas. Um, but yeah, it was it was a very interesting, and I'm like I'm with you. I was I thought it was going to be more of an uproar. I thought we were going to get those cat calls on Monday Night Raw. You know, where, where that's tradition anyway. Yeah. Um, and we didn't. I mean. And I also feel like we're in a different generation now where that that those cat calls just to get yourself over, they're not there anymore. If you notice they're not we, they're not as prevalent as they used to be. Um I think I think as fans, we have more of an understanding that it's not Cody Rhodes's fault, you know? Yeah. E- even another thing that shocked me to keep the conversation on my life experience was how little negative reaction we got when they stopped the how in the cell where Finn Balor was getting the staples because in another era that would have gotten shed on yeah because it just everything just stood still for for a while and especially live because at least uh, on TV they kind of cut to edge and edge was trying to play it off and he went to get some gimmicks out that he never used just to kind of have some movement right yeah uh in another era as you know 
that would have been all kinds of shit on that match, and it would have never recovered. In this era, I was sensing an understanding. I was sensing uh, this is not part of the match, but we understand that there's an athlete that's hurt right now, so we're going to be respectful and wait for this to kind of get resolved, and then we're going to get back into the match. So we're seeing a, we're seeing kind of like a generational shift uh, in the audience as to how they they view wrestling as well, which I think is for a positive because again, in another era, I think there would have been a lot of pressure on those guys to just continue, right? Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting. Now, do I agree with the booking? Absolutely not. And 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 Triple H's excuse doesn't hold any water with me because his thing is the story continues. But it's WWE. When is it ever going to end? Never. <laughs> you know, WWE stories have phases, right? Stories ha- have um, chapters. And this was the peak of this chapter. Anything past Roman keeping the title past WrestleMania is going to give diminishing returns, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Not, that it's a, not that it's a bad thing. Not that, it, not that we're going to go back to, like, you know, having 3,000 fans at a TV taping. I'm not saying that. But we're gonna see, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be on the downtrend because who else is left, you know? And this was the time to do it. And that's not me as a mark talking. That's me thinking about the business. I think Paul got so fixated on this thousand day thing because they love to create those legends, right? They love yep. to ki- kind of create these little markers in time with these legends, and they figure out somewhere along the line, oh my God, he's closer to a thousand than we thought. Let's just keep it through. And that and that and Roman's gonna be made for life in that sense. Well, he's already made, but more so. Okay, so here's something that uh, I want to add to that because I think it's a great point. Uh, you know, we have these fake records that are out there. How many times did Ric Flair win the title? And you know, Charlotte has all these different t- number of title wins, and John Cena has these. And so they they always you know you you have your era and you have the star of that era. And I was kind of thinking, I think they want Roman to be the biggest star ever. Like, let you know, Hulk Hogan, Steve Austin, The Rock. I, I don't think Roman will ever be as big as Austin was. Like, there's no way. But you add a longevity piece to it, and you add, like, these biggest WrestleManias of all time, and we pretend that maybe he headlined them. <laughs> and he did. He did headline it, but, you know, it's the brand drawing. He adds to that, though. I don't I don't agree with people who say that, you know, he has nothing to do with any of this. Uh, and, no, and I don't I really, agree with that either. I really think that what they are trying to do is they are trying to create a historic wrestler, a historic superstar, and they want this era to mean something. And he is kind of the guy that they're using for that. No, I agree with you. And, and that in itself is not, is not bad logic. I completely understand where they're coming from. Um, yeah. It's going to be very, um, the, it's going to be very mythical going forward because I know as the narrative gets longer and longer, there's going to be more bullshit added to it, especially, you know, five, 10 years down the road, as they keep on saying this new narrative about this run. But again, you know, one of the things that really upset me uh, when it came to the internet and just people that that quote unquote know their stuff is is when they were defending uh, Sammy not winning the title in February, right? Because yeah. they say, oh, they got to finish the story. They got to finish the story. And to me, as a good booker, th- there's only one lesson that a booker needs to know, and that's you always follow the money. That's it. 
always follow the money. And sometimes that's going to go against what you want as a booker. But that's what makes you a great booker. You adapt to follow the money. My point is that this was a, a, a blow-off show, WrestleMania Night 2. This was, this was a show where everything was peaking for this moment. And I think there was more money in Cody winning for a lot of different reasons that they could do in the future than in Roman, Roman continuing that dominance going towards that marker of a 1,000 or whatever it is they want to do. Um, and I was so frustrating to listen to people that think they know what wrestling is about, talking about, well, we got to finish this story. Why? Who's, who, who can't, why do you have to finish? It doesn't matter. Because at the end, of, and this is the irony. You had all these people that were defending that, right? And then at the end of the day, WWE changed the story anyway. Yeah. So the joke was on all of them. And it's like, no, you go with who's hot because that's what's going to keep the bubble going, the momentum going, right? That's, gonna, that's what's going to keep the sellouts. And and you met and you saw the metrics, right? You saw Sammy, the ratings patterns, the draws that he was at the house shows, and this is where it became very evident when Roman wasn't there. There was a couple of times where, where where Sammy's presence was was more than when than when Roman was there with him, right? As compared to where he wasn't. So it it, it it's just to me, they let two great opportunities go by, you know, um, and, and all because they wanted to continue this. So I don't know. Maybe they, they're looking to the future. Maybe they know that they're set now. They don't have to worry about it. And they, and they want this whole Roman Reigns thing to be looked on in the future as something magical and mythical and all that stuff. But there again, they don't respect their audience then. They're more concerned about how they look. You know? All right. I want to pivot before we get out of here because I don't want to keep you here, here too long. Uh, though, though I am very much enjoying this and, and hopefully we can do this again. You, as someone who has studied the history of wrestling, where do you stand with AEW as it pertains to your enjoyment, your sort of instincts about pro wrestling? Uh, and also, uh, do we underrate AEW's, you know, last four years a little bit because WWE is such a giant giant company like i i get people who don't like aew and and i think some of the criticisms are valid but to undercut these guys for what they've been able to do in such a short time i think is 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 probably a little dishonest it is and 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 again it's not it's not emotion it's not opinion it's not biased opinion it's facts right the facts are there the numbers tell you that tony khan has done something right now he did hit a wall you know, at, at around September-ish or so with the whole CM Punk thing. And and again, I think to this day, he hasn't really dealt with it how he should. And that's I think that's going to come back to bite him in the ass later. But, you know, to your point, I think that AEW should be looked upon as, as a huge success because they did overcome a lot of odds, you know. And, and you could say money mark all you want, but we've had money marks before. That doesn't correlate to success, you know. And, and I think... Um, there's a lot of changes that, that, that happened because of AEW, you know, uh, coming, coming into the picture. I think, you know, talking as a fan, I mean, we have an embarrassment of riches, man. When it comes to all these great matches, all these great shows, how do you go from having, uh, MJF and Brian Danielson have a classic, you know, a classic, and then you have WrestleMania a couple weeks later, like when does, this is a great time we're living in, Right. 
and and to me, the narrative that I was trying to tell people on my show was let's enjoy this because this yeah. is not permanent. This is not permanent. This is just another era in wrestling that one day we're going to be nostalgic about. And to see all this divide and all this hate one way or the other, it just makes me sad because, again, that's all ego driven and it's it's all it's all very emotion based, right? Just if you were to just sit back and just say, "I'm going to watch these companies for what they are," just stop comparing them. You're going to have a great time as a wrestling fan because you're you're getting too much for you know for the for the era that we live in. Um, so I, I think Tony Khan has been a positive for sure. You can't deny that in, in the entire business. And it, it, I'm, I'm a little sad for him and his company because now with this merger, he's going to be a very distant number two. Now, you know, you have, you have the, the, the number one company has so much resources now. Yeah. And what concerns me is that they're going to be in control of the marketplace when it comes to contract times, because, Who's to say that WWE just doesn't overpay someone just to get them off the table, you know? Um, so I, I'm I'm a little bit sad for AEW because they with this all these news that came out they do become even you know the the the, the little brother you know even even younger little brother mm-hmm. of WWE and it's gonna be hard because being number two in this country is always hard. So um, Tony Khan's gonna have to work a little harder and. I also feel that it's also because of how big WWE has become or will become. It's also going to make AEW's big show seem a lot, a lot less extravagant and important because of it. You know. So okay. again, I go ahead. speaking speaking of the the big show, they are, you know, they're taking a big risk in doing this London show at Wembley Stadium. You know, historically, the 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 Brett and and Davy Boy match. Though I think it's a, uh, I think they reconstructed the stadium since then. But like eighty thousand to go from, I don't know what their biggest house was. Uh, you know, maybe seventeen thousand fans or, mm-hmm. or or whatever. To I think 80, Chicago, probably to, the, the to, punk to, debut. Yeah, the United Center to you know this giant stadium. That is a risk, it's but a huge risk. I I also you know I think a couple things. One, Tony must really believe that he has a couple things up his sleeve that are going to pay off and create interest. But two, I also feel like this dude is working his ass off to keep up, and he's putting resources into into the product, and uh, almost like you 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 know you, you you if you goal set. You know, you, you've you've set this goal of Wembley Stadium, and you're like, now I'm so focused and determined to make this a, a great show. So I'm excited to see what he does, but at the same time, you know, he he put it out there, man. He that that is a, a tough place to sell, and you know, no matter how many tickets he sells, there's going to be a portion of the wrestling audience who's going to say, oh, this is a failure, and. It's more than likely not going to be a failure. It may not be a giant success, but uh, what do you think about this risk that he's taken here? I think I think it's a big risk, but I think the profit margin is doable. I think first time in the market, you know, I think the Euros are craving for an AEW, an authentic AEW show uh, in that part of the of the world. And I think I'll tell you right now. I mean, I'll go out on a limb. I think he'll get fifty and easy. I think fifty is 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 set. Okay, I, I set the go- I set the over under with Big Dave M at fifty five. Okay, I'm going with fifty. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, 
I'll, I'll go one up on you. I'll play the prices right with you, and I'll go fifty six. Okay, there you go. I'll win if, if you know. <laughs> um, so I, I think they'll get fifty six easy. You know, wow. Uh, curiosity, first time in the market. You know, the the, the Euros, longtime wrestling fans, right? Very very passionate, very rowdy. Um, but it, it, you're right. I think I think it's very unfair how we treat both companies because. When we had that that you know that show that was headlined by Drew McIntyre and and Roman, you know for all intents and purposes it was a little bit of a flop. You know they they I think they got like fifty five in there. They were expecting around sixty seventy. They had those those inflated prices that they ended up lowering later on. Um, but everybody saw it as a success because it's WWE and the way they promote. Whereas with AEW, it's always you know. How are you gonna fail? That's always the question with it. That, that's the that's the the, the premise with AEW. How are yeah. you gonna fail? And and so getting fifty five in there, fifty six in there, because it's not ninety. When nobody's saying they're gonna get ninety in there, that would be seen as a failure, and that's very unfair. Because again, it's too different. The way they treat both companies is completely different. Um, but I think you'll get fifty six in there for sure. I just don't know um, who would be the local star in there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you could, you know, you could bring in uh, a, a Will Ospreay uh, for a show like that. You know, there's a Zack Sabre Jr. out there who, you know, I don't know who the home homegrown star is, but, you know, UK talent, uh, mm -hmm. you have access to those guys. Uh, but like you said, first time in the market, it's it's everybody's sort of like, you know, the, the big local star because they just haven't had that product. And, you know, it will be, it will obviously be much harder to go back a second time, but let's, let's wait for the first show before we even oh, think course. about that. Of course. Yeah. Uh, all I'm right. I wanna... I'm considering going by the way. No way. Uh, that would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I want I want an excuse to go to the UK and what better, what better, you know, excuse yeah. than going to an AW show. And I, honestly, I mean, I don't think, the tickets are going to be in that high of demand to no, where I, I don't can't think get so in. So, well, so you I, know, I'm, WWE I'm, is going to be in the O2 uh, for Money in the Bank, I think. But those those well. tickets flew. They flew. Oh, they're, so they're yeah. there. I looked okay. into that and they're gone. So that's an arena, so it's different. Yeah, smaller. You know. All right, I want to end with this. Um, as someone who, uh, you know, you're, I, I would say you have pretty smart critiques on, on things that are going on. I'm just kind of interested in who you think is, is is doing really good in their role who's uh you know who's possible sort of future star kind of thing like who are you watching who are you paying attention to in the wrestling scene right now who are your favorites well i think i think gunter is is someone that we should all keep a, a, an eye out for i think it's it's interesting that that they they took a risk where they're promoting him a lot lately and i think they you could you could tell that they see big things for him just the way they're setting them they're setting him up. He had that little stare down with Brock at the Royal Rumble. He had a great showing at WrestleMania. He's another he's another one of those guys that they keep on saying, oh, you know, the, the, this legacy champion with the Intercontinental title. Actually, they tend to be doing that with all their titles, which is good. We want that because you yeah. know, you you, you want to keep this lineage uh, with prestige. All yeah, you want them to be important. Right, right. So so I you know that he's he's one of the guys that I'm looking at right now. Um, but other than that, it's just I just think the the main event angles have been hitting on all cylinders when it comes to WWE. I mean, SmackDown has all been pretty much bloodline, you know. And and yeah. so I think Sammy and and Kevin Owens they had a career year, um, more so Sammy than pretty much anyone else, you know. Um, 
on Raw, um, I'll tell you, I t- I'll tell you who's interesting is LA Knight, who's who's an older guy, <laughs> but he seems to be cashing on as his like cult favorite, right? Which we we've seen. I mean, one of the things about these guys, and we we've seen them for years, they gotta make all their money now because yeah. this is very short. You know, it's very limited. That window of being over is very limited, and we've seen it through with different guys. But I'm, you know, he's a guy that I, I've been a fan of since he was in TNA. Yeah. Always had the great promo. You know, he's he, he's a very confident guy. So it's interesting for me to see him get over at a WWE level to the point where people are starting to back him up. And I wonder if, if Vince was in charge, if he would give him that shot, because this guy's in his 40s from what I understand, or close to 40. So I don't know. I, I think this is one of those guys that has to count his blessings you know, that Paul took over for that time that he did because that got, that was his little window back in, and sure enough, it's working. So, yeah. um, so yeah, um, so that's yeah, that's pretty much it. You know, I I what do about, hope that. Go ahead. What about on the AEW side? Anybody catching your eye? Uh, well, MJF, of course. You know, I think I think um, it's hard with with AEW because they have so many people with potential. Mm-hmm. But but one of the one of the criticisms that I have for Tony Khan is that he doesn't under. It seems like he's he he really focuses a lot at the top of the card, and he kind of lets the the middle and the bottom part just kind of book itself in a lot of ways. I know that's not what happens, but that's what it seems like. Yeah. So he doesn't he doesn't know how to promote guys like Jungle Boy, you know, or even like a Sammy Guevara, all these guys that are going to headline the next show. Um, one of the things that WWE has always been able to do is they make they allow these guys to become larger than life, you know. And and it's something as simple as give us some video packages on these guys, you know, make me start believing in them. Tell me why I should care about Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Why? He's just a guy with, you know, long curly hair, good promo, but that's it. So I think from a production standpoint, there's a lot of things that AEW could be doing better to get over the, the stars of the future, and they don't, you know? Even even um ha- that, that match with um Ijo Del Vikingo and, and Kenny Omega, had that been on Raw or SmackDown, we would have been seeing video packages of that match <laughs> for a month. Yep. We haven't seen anything in AEW. No. It's so frustrating, you know? Um, but there again, I do love – now, I, I don't I don't particularly have my eye, my eye on any future superstar because, again, they don't promote them well. But I do love the storylines. I do love that we're building towards this elite, you, you know, um, they're, they're feuding with um, – um, well, who are they feuding with? Black, Blackpool Combat Club. Yeah, Blackpool Combat Club, yeah. So I love that dynamic, right? And, and I love how – it's not it's not being spoon fed to us. Every week we're getting a little another layer of that story. So so I like that stuff for sure. All right, man. No, this was this was tremendous. The, see, the reason why I was so excited to talk to you, and I'll get I'll g- give folks a little bit of the insight here. The way that we used to communicate was through Facebook. And yeah. I lost my Facebook account because they <laughs> stupid people suspended it for no reason. I still haven't gotten it back. So that was my vehicle to communicate with you. And we would communicate, you know, if not every day, like every other day, just shooting mm-hmm. stuff about something wrestling related. Yeah. And so I haven't had the opportunity to do that with you since like, gosh, it's, what has it been January or something mm-hmm. since, since I haven't had my account. So this was fantastic. It's like, we just were able to catch up for three months uh, just doing this. So uh, I, I 100% appreciate it. And you know you've been on the old school fight game podcast. Ball so uh, hard, one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> you've been uh, you've been with me for for a while now, so I I wanted to reach back out because I, I always have a blast talking to you. Uh, is there? I mean, you're you're not. It doesn't seem like you're in the podcast game any, anymore. Is there anything no. anything to plug at all? 
I mean, people could follow me. Uh, nowadays, I hang around on Instagram most of the time. You know, Dead Boy Lost in LA. If people want to go there and talk some wrestling with me. Um, little by little, I'm dipping my toes back into the wrestling, the internet wrestling community, because I, I don't feel like the cynicism is as bad as it was even like four months ago. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's died down a little bit. I think both companies presenting the best possible product they can has kind of elevated and kind of taken that, that hate out. So... Yeah, the, the act, this is my, might be what happened. Uh, CPR said that Facebook saw that I won the G Spot Climax and uh, it decided it was time to suspend. Two nights my, in a uh, row, but I mean, two <laughs> years in a row, you did it. Two years in a row. That's amazing. You, you know how amazing that is now that you think about it? Like, because you were spot on. Like, there was no rigging of none of this. You were able to f- foresee a lot of that, you know? Um, and I think the only, the only year you didn't win is because you weren't in it. Well, there was there was one where uh, I actually had Jade Cargill in one just because I I was like, no one's going to pick her. But like if I saw her in public, like I would probably just stare at her for like, you know, 30 seconds and and not be able to take my eye off her. But (laughs) like, yeah, like I, you know, you can only pick, uh, you know, Trish Stratus and and all these people so many times. But um, all right. So check them out. On Instagram, if you uh, need to get some some uh, wrestling chat going, and uh, I would love to have you on again at some point uh, and just check in again because yeah, uh, just let to... me know, man. I mean, even even after a lot of these pay per views, you know, there's a lot to talk about. I would love to come on here and just shoot the shit on that, you know, and and see what happens. But thank you for having me again. It's it's almost like you know riding a bicycle. You just never forget. Yeah, I was no. a little nervous, but once I w- I caught my wheels, I was okay. I know you love doing this and we, you know, mm-hmm. we, we've done a few of these with, uh, with big D as well. So we we've done, we've done a few of these shows and it looks like, you know, the people who were checking in live, a decent amount of people and they enjoyed it. So I, I definitely want to bring, bring you back and we'll, we'll shoot this stuff again, but uh, we'll end it here. And uh, for Draven, I am double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out. Bye. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.